Welcome to the Happy Me, Happy Earth podcast. I'm your host, Eva Peterson, life coach and Ayurvedic health counselor for changemakers and aspiring activists. Each week, I'm here to support you in creating the change that you want to see in the world without sacrificing your health and well-being. If you are on a mission to make the world a better place, whether you're just starting to get involved or decades deep, you are welcome here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today is a very special day because for the first time ever, it's not just me. I'm joined today by an amazing guest that I cannot wait to introduce you to, Natasha Roya Aziz is a healer, a coach, an entrepreneur. She is a certified health counselor and has founded a number of awesome social impact projects. She's also my friend. <laughs> Natasha and I trained together to become an Ayurvedic health counselor for over two years at the Shakti School, where we originally met. And that program was all online, but we got to meet in person back in 2021. I think that was just like a little over two years ago now. Yeah, we met in Tulum, Mexico, got to hang out at this beautiful blue crystal clear cenote together. <laughs> and each time that I chat with Natasha, I am always so inspired by her wisdom and creativity and her heart. And so I am so excited to have her on the podcast today and to share her story and her work with all of you listening. So welcome to the podcast, Natasha. Thanks. Oh, what an intro. I'm going to like listen to that when I'm having a blue day or something. (laughs) And and thinking about the cenote is like the best. That was such a lovely day. (laughs) I know. I know. This time in Mexico is a little different. It's a little little rainier. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I like to kick off usually by just setting the scene for the listeners. So I'm here in my apartment in San Cristobal de las Casas in Mexico. The rainy season is in full effect, so if you hear some rain or some thunder in the background, apologies. Hopefully it's not too distracting. And Natasha, where are you calling from today? Yeah, I'm calling in from Houston, Texas, and my partner's house. (laughs) And in a transition moving from Austin and about to go on a trip next week. And so I'm back in my hometown for the week. Amazing. And where are you headed again next week? I'm heading to Morocco, which is like a dream place of mine to go to, and then to Portugal, where I used to live um, for a few years on and off. Amazing. I've never yeah, been to Portugal. Be I still want to go because I hear the surf is awesome. Mm-hmm. Very good, sir. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to start in the present moment and just ask, what are you most excited about right now? It could be something in your personal life, maybe your upcoming trip, or it could be work-related. Oh, man. It's funny, I wanted to like filter myself. I'll give you the real answer. I'm like really excited about my new love. (laughs) And it's so beautiful. Like exploring a partnership that's like been the most amazing, beautiful thing. So I'm really excited these days. I was going to say something about work and I was like, "Ah, that'd be like kind of lying because this is really what's the most (laughs) most relevant. (laughs) That's amazing. And so was your move like together? No, no, but he helped. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Ah, new love is so wonderful. Yeah, new love. yeah, it's like everything else kind of goes by the wayside. Totally. Yeah. I guess I'll share one other thing I was excited about too. Last night we did this amazing event and like I'm on this journey of like 
I just want to co-create with people. I don't want to like do things lone wolf, solopreneur life. Like I'm done with that. Like I want to do things with amazing, magical humans. And we did a live event yesterday with like all these different type of healers and practitioners in one space. And like, that was really exciting to see the impact of like, oh, here's what happens when we leverage community and do things together versus like these one-off workshops and events. And it was so powerful and got to explore a lot of beautiful modalities together. So that's another fun thing. Amazing. All in person, like with, with actual yeah. humans, like they're yeah, not, they're like 40 off. people, like in a space, just wanting to geek out on different modalities. And it was so fun. So, yeah. Amazing. Very cool. So I want to dive into like what you're currently doing now in your business, but also if we could go back a little bit first, I've always really admired how you honor and embody your Persian side and your American side and how you balance mm. both of those. And mm. over the past few years, I've become quite interested in my ancestors and what I can learn from them, how I can cultivate a deeper sense of belonging for myself by, you know, remembering them, connecting to them. And so I'd love to hear a bit more about your foundational years and that blend of cultures and how that impacted you growing up. Yeah, thanks for asking. I love talking about this. So yeah, my mom's side of the family is from South Dakota, like many generations, kind of German Norwegian blood. Um, and my dad's side of the family is Persian from Iran. He came from Iran when he was 17 and has never been back because uh, of the revolution, a lot of layers that have happened there. And so they've really built this life here in Houston. They met at University of Houston. And so we got to merge, literally like be like in the middle of these two totally different cultures that and finding commonality, which I think is like super rare these days almost of like bridging worlds that seem like opposites, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all human and like get to connect over the heart. And um, so my connection to Persian culture, you know, we didn't really grow up with the language because my dad was assimilating and was like into like the work mode of things and like providing and making way for the family. But my connection to Persian culture was food. And just like a little bit of poetry I would hear and my uncles and grandfathers, everyone just like dancing and singing and that like vitality for life. And so that was a big part of our connection to the Persian side. And, um, and yeah, it's a huge part of me. Like some of my Persian friends are full Persians. They're always like, gosh, you're more Persian than I am. <laughs> Blue eyed, brown hand Persian. Um, so I think that it's fun to explore and play with that. And I think, yeah, I mean, with everything also happening in Iran right now, like it feels more important than ever to be really cognizant of like, man, this privilege we have here in this country and all the freedom and how to remember, especially as women, to really honor that freedom that we have in this moment and not take that for granted. So I think that's a big, big part of my voice these days has been mm -hmm. like, hey, loves like, look what we have and like, how can we amplify that? And like, how can we support people who don't? very present in my mind these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I've, I've really enjoyed reading your newsletters and, and mm. hearing you talk about what's going on in Iran right now. Mm. And, and like you said, like how we can be inspired by what's going on and how we can like, let this really touch us, you know, and mm -hmm. not just, it's not just another news story. Yeah. And it's so cool to hear you talk about how the food was like one of your main ways to connect. And now you, you've been hosting these or co-hosting, I think these cook for Iran, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cook for Iran dinners. And so I became 
I met this wonderful woman, Leila, who was starting Cookbury Ron uh, a handful of months ago. And since the beginning of time, I feel like I've been like hosting dinners for like my American friends. They're like, no, come, come eat some Persian food with me. Like, come on, I'll, like, just come over. I'll cook, I'll cook. And so with everything happening, not knowing what to do with my energy around it, when she was like, hey, do you want to come be part of our organization? And so now I'm ambassador for Cook for Iran for the Austin, a little bit of Houston area. And so we've been collaborating on different events just to bring awareness and to like let food be the universal language of love and connection and bring people around the table. And they've been really powerful and so beautiful and I'm meeting amazing people along the way that are just passionate about the same things. and. I love just having people like share a meal together and share stories. And the first one we did, we had people share like their favorite poems. And so it was just like these beautiful, beautiful nights. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish yeah. it was there so I could join you guys. I yeah. know, totally. We'll anybody listening who's in like the Austin or yeah, or Houston area, anybody <laughs> in Texas that yeah. can get there, like totally go and join one of these events. Yeah. It sounds amazing. We even have um, in Brooklyn and London and Dublin, like we're international. So like there's events happening all over the world now. And the funds actually for it go to the Center of Mind-Body Medicine, which helps teach trauma response in Iran, um, Persian speakers which is like super important for today so anyways there's a there's a whole system to it which is exciting yeah that's amazing okay we'll definitely put links to that like in in the show notes oh, and cool. the email and everything so that people can check those out like all over the world that's really cool I had just been aware of the ones that you were hosting um mm -hmm. or that you were part of like in Texas and so that's really cool to hear that they're actually going on all over the place mm -hmm. very cool any in Mexico not that I know of, but like Persian Mexican food's the best combo. So, oh, interesting! Have. I bet oh, sounds so good. <laughs> cool. So, I'd love to chat a bit more about your social impact work in the past. I know in your early working years, and also somewhat recently, you spent some time in the social impact space, working with different nonprofits, and you've co-founded some amazing social impact projects as well. So, I'd love to know. And maybe this relates back to your upbringing a bit, but how did you become like this, this socially conscious, big-hearted <laughs> soul that you are? I think I was just born with it. Um, and so, you know, we got to merge the world of saying like from a cultural perspective, but also like observing my parents, they're so, they express so differently in the world. Like my dad, he has a big heart. I don't want to say he doesn't have a big heart, but he has such a rational logical brain he's very business forward and very um activated from that sense and my mom on the other side is like all heart like she's like bleeding heart for the world you know and so I always looked at my parents and was like oh my gosh like I love being the head and the heart and so how to kind of merge those two worlds and seeing a family business that was really successful and how hard my dad worked to like build the American dream and all that he created for us I was like, oh, that's amazing. I love that. And like, I love that ambition. I love that drive. I love the creating. And I always was like, but how can we make, have businesses do good? How can they like both be financially profitable and successful? And how can we help people? How can we support the environment? Why are they mutually exclusive in day-to-day -day conversation? Especially back then, like people didn't talk about social impact, purpose-driven. Like it was only nonprofit mm -hmm. work. It wasn't really connected to business like it is in conversation today. So that was always sparking me. And I was studying business because I was being like the good girl and studying business. Like I felt like I was supposed to, but I was like, but I'm going to do international business and I'm going to do this. So I was always trying to like shift it up. And um, 
uh, I started studying sociology and anthropology in my university. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And Mm -hmm. just noticed where my interests were going right away. I mean, all my internships were like, kind of basically use the word green before it was like not a word you use often but like these green organizations and um an environmental renewable energy and then when I moved to Boulder Colorado got me into more like oh here are the businesses doing social impact work and environmental work like this I Mm -hmm. see it now I get it and so I got to just be in this incubator of a city or learning like all the best practices from day-to-day lifestyle to like really conscious businesses and worked out of an impact hub, which then I was inspired by that every day. And so I eventually brought that to Houston. Anyways, just like learning and observing businesses that do good. And I was like, okay, more of this, please. I was even in an MBA program and I found myself only taking social impact related classes or wanting to end up leaving my MBA for a job that was helping social entrepreneurs because I was like, this is the work I want to do. And so, um, yeah, just like in my heart and yeah, big part of me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It comes through in everything that you do. Yeah. <laughs> I so. Yeah. And so I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about your experience in that social impact space. Speaking a bit more about like the general culture, the different opportunities, the challenges that you mm. tended to face in that area. Yeah. I mean, one thing I saw in the nonprofit space, which was never really my thing, like I ended up supporting some nonprofits, but really got more attracted to the social ventures was like, I like seeing organizations function like a business still, even when they're doing good work. So I kind of got just derailed a bit from the nonprofit space and a little more focused social impact. But what I observed when I was working for the Unreasonable Institute, this amazing organization back in the day that we literally took entrepreneurs from around the social entrepreneurs from around the world, brought them into a fraternity house, brought in the best funders and mentors and workshops, and like how to help them scale their impact. Amazing. And it was amazing and it was so much fun and like some of the most amazing humans I'm still in contact today with that I've met through that. And I was a mentor liaison one summer and I remember them being like, okay, how do we uh, 10X their business and this and that? And the whole time I'm just like looking at the entrepreneur and there's, you know, they're the CEOs, they're like the top people, the founders of the organization and they're exhausted. And I've just been like, I don't understand how y'all are talking about TEDx and businesses right now when they are so depleted. You can see in their eyes, you can see in their energy, like they're, they're grinding through. They're already burnt out. They're just like on fumes right now. And so that really planted a seed in my mind of like, there's something off about this industry as beautiful as the intentions are when we're like carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. People burn out in social impact work. I think even faster than other entrepreneurs because of the weight that they carry about yeah. this like saviorship. And so I think that just always planted a note. And, you know, now a lot of my work is more in the healing arts, but it's really to support the people that are doing beautiful work in this world. How do we well resource those people that have these visions and this passion and this heart to create magic in this world? Like, how do we support them to have more capacity, vitality, and more support and to feel held? you know, in their system. So anyways, I kind of jumped, but like, that's where a lot of my passion comes from. It's like seeing the eyes of those entrepreneurs and just wanting my, my approach to things, which is not the healthy approach. You can tell my, my brothers can tell you this all day when they're upset. I like 
need to smother them with extra love when they're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm like, oh, I'll double down on love. And so I feel like I wanted to do that with entrepreneurs too. I was like, okay, I, you're not okay right now. I'm just going to love you. <laughs> and, and so it's yes. so been my long-term journey to figure out how to like love people who are passionate and impact, like want to make an impact well. Yes. Oh, you're so like speaking to my heart and, and my work too. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, my journey was a little bit more like I was the really burnt out. I wasn't necessarily a social impact worker, but I was really pushing for environmentally accountable design in my architecture firm and on like yeah. the sustainable leadership there and felt like I was just banging my head against the wall. And of course that work isn't paid. You know, I have to do all my billable projects and then my like passion where I really wanted to be spending my time furthering my company's sustainability initiatives and actually like pushing for sustainable design that, that didn't really get paid. Finally, like I did get some paid hours to do it, but, but yeah, I 100% burnt myself out and basically had to like step away and then ask myself that question of like, how can we create the change we want to see in the world? build a better world and not sacrifice ourselves. Right. That's kind of became my whole mission. Exactly. You know? I think that's uh, why I like why we bond so much. Probably- because, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's just so important. And I think too, because the, the people who are, you know, the social impact entrepreneurs or trying to create change within the system, it's one thing to go after like a short-term goal. It's another thing to be going after creating these this huge systemic change that's probably going to take longer than our lifetimes. So it's so much more important that, or it is very important that we are resilient, that we take care of ourselves along the way, that we enjoy the journey if we're going to be able to sustain ourselves like for a lifetime of impact work. Oh, absolutely. And I was just like giggling to myself because I'm like, oh, they, they were the burnt out ones. I was the burnt one too. <laughs> like, let me be really clear. I had two major burnouts in my 20s, which nobody should burn out in their 20s. You know, being a post-college athlete and learning how to deplete the system that way and then going into social impact work. I mean, I was not well several mm-hmm. times in my life because of this like same thing of carrying the world on our shoulders. And you're right, it is about resiliency. It's about um, being really honest with ourselves too, right? Like a lot of the social impact, if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of the social impact work I was doing on top of everything else, there was a part of me was trying to like prove it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Like we can like look. And this part of me too, that's like, I'm worthy of, of, I don't know, wanting to be seen, you know, and wanting to be like, look, look at all the stuff that we're doing. Let's go. Like what I'm doing. Let's go. And mm-hmm. Like I remember when I lived in Houston several years ago, like five or six years ago now, um, I was like helping the family business or historic preservation real estate. I was a partner in another organization and I was starting Impact Hub Houston. And I was just adding more and more and more because I was trying to find that place in my heart that felt aligned with my purpose. Mm -hmm. But really all of those things were like, okay, I was doing the family business because it gave us so much. I felt this responsibility. Then I felt this obligation. Then I felt this. And like navigating life from that place, it's not sustainable by any means. And so I had panic attacks and I was on the floor and like having all these things. And that's how I found that. Yeah, I know you can relate. Been right? there, yeah. That's how I found the healing arts. I was like, no, I'm devoting my life to this because somewhere in this has the answers for us to be able to create in this world. Because we're not supposed to go live on a mountain and isolate ourselves, right? But like, how do we 
learn how to navigate day to day in a lighter way, in a more sustainable way. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I can really relate. I know a lot of people listening to this can probably also relate. So I think it's just so good to like, to voice that and not to pretend like we have it all together, but like we've fallen apart, like we have burnt ourselves out. And that's what led us to where we are now, you know, like we can use that in a positive way. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was faking my way through life on the outside. I was bright and shiny and smiley, but on the inside, I literally felt like I was dying, you know? And so like navigating life like that, like, what are we, what are we doing? What are yeah. we producing when there's that incoherence and that um, incongruence in our lives? Mm-hmm. Like it's not gonna, there's no roots to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, just, absolutely. And all right, so that takes us a bit into you, you mentioned <laughs> Sorry, I got really excited. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. The healing arts and the things that you're, you know, more into now that, that your work has evolved into. I'd love to talk a bit more about that. Your current work in your business. I know you have multiple things going on. I don't know if you identify as this, but I think of multi-hyphenate. I kind of think of myself as that way too. Yeah. Um, a number of different passions and things. So could you tell us a little bit more about your current work? Yeah. So my current work is under my name, Natasha Roya, but really under this umbrella that I call sacred leadership. And I've just been having these visions of like, what if one day the United Nations, who's supposed to, in theory, like protect our world, right? What if the leaders, the women leaders specifically, were like leading from their womb spaces, mm-hmm. leading from their seat of intuition, le- leading from such a rooted place in their body and not the mind? And so I just haven't been able to let go of that vision. I'm like, no, it's going to happen. And so how do we make that happen? So sacral leadership came to be like really thinking about myself as a burnt out boss lady, thinking about all the other ones that I have around me, all the other leaders, even like our mamas, our creatives, our artists, like people who are just in this more output energy. And how do we do all the things that we've been talking about? How do we well resource? How do we come from an embodied perspective first? How do we shift the mindset? How do we... Um, expand our vitality? How do we let go of things that actually don't serve us and boundaries and all these layers? And so I've woven together a lot of the healing arts that we've learned together on Ayurveda, which was so much more in Ayurveda. It's like Ayurveda and Tantra and herbalism and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so many different layers that we learned through that program. And then also the more tantric and Taoist and shamanic work that I learned before that, And then just like leadership development and things that I've learned along the way from my social impact phases. So like around design thinking, around um, behavior change science. And there's this like woven conglomerate of things that I've been calling sacred leadership. And um, I think the work I'm actually most excited about these days is like taking, I'm jokingly saying this, but not that much joking, like taking those burnt out bosses like we were into the forest and getting them like crazy and naked and dirty and in the waters and in the fires and like oh, getting yeah. them like like everybody resource in the most earthly way possible that's the thing that's like sparking me the most these days so I've got some things that works around that <laughs> oh amazing I yeah. can't wait to see what comes out of that and oh yeah as you were describing what sacral leadership is I've I've read it before I've you know and we yeah. talked about it a bit but as you were describing it just now for whatever reason I just had to like close my eyes and I was just like mm. Like, yes, yeah. I am so on board for that vision. That yeah. is such an amazing vision. And the other layer to it is, is like, you know, one of my Bible books, I think we, I think we talked about this before, is like Woman Who Runs the Wolves. Like, yes. it's just, 
Bible book forever. And one of the stories in there, um, it's called The Red Shoes. And that story sparked me so much of that realization of like how we have the key to our cage that we put ourselves in. Because we often feel like, oh, it's other people or oh, other situations or this and that. But at the end of the day, like we have the key. And so how do we have build the courage in our system to unlock our own cages? And then what do we do when we're out? what are the tools how do we like live in this world from a place of like oh there i am there's my heart there's my soul there's my spirit now let's play in the world you know and like play really play and not be so programmed and how we think we're supposed to show up like all of that we're done we're like like burning that into the fire these days (laughs) i don't know about you i'm definitely burning that into the fire and it takes time and grace and patience to do that but anyway so this is the the work that I get excited about. <laughs> yes. oh, I, can, I can hear it. I can feel the excitement. You're reminding me of when you when you mentioned like, you know, once we get out of the cage and we play, I'm reminded of, I, I was living in Peru in the jungle for a while and with these shamans and um, doing some different work with plant medicine and ayahuasca. Yeah. And one time I went in, you know, with my very serious, like logical mind being like, okay, I'm going to ask the ayahuasca, like, what am I? <laughs> what am I supposed to do in this world? Like, like, why am I here? You know, like very logical mind into this, of course, like very spiritual, like otherworldly experience. And I asked this question, I'm, I'm in the midst of the trip, right? I asked this question and I just hear laughter. And I asked this question internally, but the shaman busts out laughing. Stop it. <laughs> and there is like this laughter just like ringing in my head. And so I just have to start laughing because I'm like, this is preposterous. And like that whole like month and like the, the subsequent journeys I did and that particular journey was just all about like, dude, just have fun, just play. Like, what are you yeah. doing trying to like hold on to this so tightly? And yes, so I'm I'm right on board with I just love what you just shared. I love that. And just from observation too, like you have been playing, like even like, like, yeah, the observation of, of your journey has been amazing because, and play doesn't always look like everything's bright and shiny and pretty and like that, right? Like play is different, but there's a consciousness to it. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. And I love what you said too, about like, what do we do when we get out of the cage? Because then it's like yeah. uncharted territory, right? Like there exactly. is no roadmap. There's <laughs> like no freedom like, paradox. You know, yeah. like, wait, what do I do? I have all these choices. Like, what do I? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, so when you are, whether it's yourself or when you're working with clients and, you know, you help them break free of that cage, like what are kind of your, your next steps? Mm. I'm sure it's yeah, different for everyone, but. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> which person am I, I talking to? It really is different for everyone because it depends on like, I mean, there's different nodes, right? There's like, I mean, even talking about your relationship to money, to work, like what's your current status? Does unlocking that cage mean that there's a big change or is it a mindset, right? Or, or is it, you know, so it can be a lot of different things or how do we show up in relationships, not just romantic, but also in friendships? How do we show up in just life in general, right? Do we know how to move through with our intuition? So a lot of it is like, I never, ever, ever want someone to be like, someone's healer or someone's like guru or whatever people use these days like that's so not interesting to me it's like ooh, here are all these like fun tools that I've learned along the way Ooh, here's how we can build trust within our own system oh here's you know like really building our own muscles in our body so those next steps are like actually baby steps and they're really gentle they're like little somatic 
in somatic therapy, they call it, say like titration, like these little things every day versus, you know, we've both had plant medicine ceremonies where there's these big grand experiences, right, that are actually really hard to integrate into day-to-day life. And so I'm a little more sparked these days by how do we have these little steps in the direction that we're going towards so that we can make decisions that are in full alignment with ourselves versus being put back in the cage. Because it's easy. It's actually so much more comfortable to be in that freaking cage. Like it's way more comfortable than the journeys we chose. Like the journeys we chose are scary. They're hard. We're going to see the deepest, darkest place in ourselves. Like it's not the easy path. Yep. And we wouldn't have it any other way, right? We would never, no, I would never, ever, ever change it. And like, and that's where you said like the word resilience earlier. Like you need to have that resilience to be able to move forward and to be, have the courageous heart to like look into both the darkest and the lightest parts of your heart into your being. So yeah, I'm calling it muscle building, you know, like just little muscles yeah. in different parts of life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned just briefly like money, right? And I loved in yeah. some of your, your last few newsletters. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not in Natasha's newsletter, get on there because she shares <laughs> some really cool stuff. I love reading them. I love seeing them in my hey. inbox. And you've been talking about the energetics of spring and the transformation of this particular time of year. And you had mentioned a transformation in your beliefs around money and Mm. abundance and how you view these things. I too have really been working to, I guess the word would be like unravel my Mm -hmm. past money beliefs and expand my capacity for receiving more abundance in my life. And I think that a lot of people in the social impact space or activists, advocates, healers, change makers tend to have a lot of baggage, let's say, around money. It can still be a kind of taboo subject to discuss, right? There's this stereotype that I've seen come true in a number of ways, but like the broke activist, right? That's like totally a stereotype yeah. and, and something that I want to like punch out, yeah. <laughs> I hope, or, you know, help people to heal. And especially for those of us who identify as women, like you mentioned before, we're taught to like give, 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 whether it's time, energy, money, mm-hmm. other resources mm-hmm. without expecting anything back, right? With like giving value without expecting anything back. And I was definitely taught in my childhood and in school that that's what it means to be a good girl, right? I'm putting that in air quotes, the good girl thing. Yeah. Right? Right? Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I'd love to chat with you a little bit more about money and your transformation around that and your journey with it and how your relationship has evolved. Yeah. Oh man, this is, I love this conversation these days. It's very much front of mind. Mm -hmm. And one, like, I think just for me to also acknowledge, like, I actually love money. And I always feel so much shame around being a big hearted person, wanting to do all these good things for the world that like, I actually like money. So I felt like it was like this little kept secret in the corner, but like, Natasha, can I just interrupt you for one second? Like, I have just admitted that to myself, like, in the past couple of months. Yeah. Like, that that fact. Like, I actually love money. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. I love what you shared. No, I love what you shared, too, of, um, you know, part of this journey of understanding our relationship to money. It's like, one, where are the roots of our story around money? And so I, and you're saying, like, you've been unraveling lately. I went through the same thing of like acknowledging like, oh, those two worlds I was sorry, sorry, we started this conversation with, 
they also come with very different relationships to money. Mm. We have one person that knew that his whole life, he was like, I'm going to make my wealth because I want to do this and provide for my family, including the nuclear family and beyond. Like that is my role as the oldest child, as the oldest child myself. That's where we both relate to. Like, and so that abundance is everywhere and it will be part of our lives. And then my mom's side, which didn't have that story. She always says like, yeah, we grew up in like canned vegetables. Like, you know, it wasn't until your dad's family that we like learned how to really eat well and all these things. So just two different worlds, which has impacted not just my relationship to money, but also my relationship to like receiving in general. Mm -hmm. Or And so like really like my affirmation lately has just been like, I'm worthy of receiving. I'm worthy of receiving. I never play with affirmations that much. I was up there a little corny, but I'm like, oh, they really work. <laughs> and so anyways, I've been using them more and more. And, but the process of unraveling, of really navigating my relationship to, to both of my parents, to their relationships and money, et cetera. And then it's been like seeing other ways. And like owning our stories of like, no, I love money. I want to make a lot of money one day. And it's not making money just to be like, oh my gosh, there's all this money. Like my why around making money is like, I've always had a vision. I want my hands in the earth every day. I want to be a steward of land. I want to take care of mother earth in a way that like she's taking care of us so much. And I want to be a really present mama. I feel I'm going to have some little regrets at one point in my life. And I just want to be so present with them and know that there is money coming in that's not tied to my time. And so I've just been on this journey of like, okay, so if that's the case, if that's the vision, like, how do I get there? Where am I currently with it? And what are the next steps? That's given me like a realization, like, I don't want to work for a nine to five. I tried that. Didn't work. I tried last year to go back into the regular workforce. I'm like, this is awful. I value freedom so much. I value freedom. I value community and I value my time. And so like how to start changing my life very directly. So the last six months, especially, especially the last handful have been like, well, we're going to like face this. Let's talk about money more. Let's just do it. Let's like bring in other examples that we can learn from. And so it's also been like surrounding myself with other women, especially that have a a really healthy relationship to prosperity, to wealth, to abundance, to money. And being in that vibration has really shifted me too. It's inspired mm -hmm. me. It's woken these parts up that have been sleepy. It's letting me own the story. Like, oh, I actually really love money. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's changed the whole mindset around uh, my relationship to it. So it's been not just like, the emotional part it's been the mind too because so much of it is in the mind mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful these days to be exploring several different income streams exploring some that are more leveraged income streams which are going to take my time away from money one day and, and streams I never thought would be in my life but like they're freaking awesome and they're community oriented and all these things so it's just nice to be like yeah I get to like not only do this for myself but help other people do it and I'm just in a place of exploration of like, no, let's, let's keep going, holding these nodes of freedom, of like disconnecting my time from how I make money, of building on community. And how do I infuse that into everything I touch now? So I'm not doing anything alone anymore. Like I actually, I've, I don't want to do it alone anymore. <laughs> and it's been so much more fun. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Oh, I love that. that. <laughs> I love that. I think it's just so important to, 
Yeah, for people to hear the words that you just said <laughs> around money. And it's it's funny, like when I was like, I love money too. I then felt like I had to qualify it, you know, like I had to explain my why and be like, because I wanted to get with it, you know, there's still like, even when we've done all this work around abundance oh. and receiving, there's still these, what I call pop-ups, you know, yeah. and like these ways that my old beliefs come in or what I think others might think of me come in, you know? And so I would like censor myself in a way. So I just think it's great to just freely talk about this. It's wonderful. And so you had mentioned surrounding yourself with other women who have got a really good relationship or mindset around abundance. And I've definitely found that to be very helpful for myself too. What mm. other tools would you say, or, or maybe resources that you would recommend for people who kind of want to dive into this a bit more? Yeah. Oh, there's a couple books. Well, one around the mindset, one of my mentors and friends, Sarah Blacka, she always says like, how do we focus on the end result of what we want? Focusing on what we current, where we currently are and what's the next best step. I think I said it earlier. And that came from her and her studies with this, mm. um, the book is called A Magical Way mm. and it has a little cheesy corniness to it for sure. But it's through a story observing our human behavior of how our emotions are actually getting in our way of trusting our inner self and our inner being. And so you see like real, we're like, Oh, like I do that all the time. So you're already projecting in, there's a barrier to you getting your end result. So like, because you're like, Oh, I, I'm feeling some shame right now. I'm feeling some guilt or, Oh, like that'll never happen. Uh, you know, just these limiting beliefs that come yeah. up over and over and over again. So it's a book that's totally shifted my mindset around seeing how much I've lived in limiting beliefs. I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> like wow, this has been a many aspects of my life. I didn't even know these were here. And building, like we were saying earlier, like just more trust with self. So A Magical Way has been an amazing book, audiobook. Um, and there's another one, but I forget that kind of, I'll follow up with you on it. Um, but it, it basically merges quantum physics thinking with money and oh, how to build a, a more abundance world through quantum physics and all the the theories around that and which ties into like the tool I've been using myself um with like frequency medicine and so I've just been learning more and more about the quantum physics side which is I'm more of an energetic nourishment person I don't really understand the, the science part so that's been really helpful as well something like a pocket full of money I don't know. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. But I'll send it to you later. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. So everybody can cool. check it out. I want to check it out too. It sounds very, very interesting. Yeah. 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 So the frequency medicine, I know that's something that you've been diving into recently. <laughs> you also like sent me some really cool stuff that I've been like geeking out on. And I'm like, I still want to like get into this at some point. So yeah, how did you, how were you like originally introduced to the frequency medicine? And for people who don't know what that term even means, frequency medicine, could you explain a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, sure. So I work at the device called Healy and I'll show you how I got it in this, into my world in a second, but basically it's a device that reads you and analyzes you with a quantum sensor, like what, what is Eva need right now to be in greatest harmony? What's in her way? What are the imbalances? And then suggest programs that send you frequencies to bring harmony to the system. So those frequencies, it can literally be like through microcurrent, it can be through a magnetic coil, but those frequencies, their aim is to go second by second 
decide what is best for you in this moment to be in harmony. So maybe it's for your kidneys and organs. Maybe it's for the mind, like mental balance programs. Maybe it's um, sleep or job related or beauty related or Chinese medicine meridian lines. Like there's so many different <laughs> type of frequencies for your system. But so yeah, that's a really high level, just like harmonizing the body. Another tool to use that, like we use Ayurveda, we talk about herbs, we talk about diet, we talk about lifestyle. Um, I love all of those things. And I believe fully that we need all of these type of tools. And like, it's so nice having this like amplifier that kind of just jumpstarts a lot of the things. So it's not a band-aid, but it's definitely an amplifier, optimizer, bringing coherence and resonance to the body. So this beautiful thing came into the world. Like, oh, oh let's also preface. I'm like, all my friends joke, I'm like the earth mama, you know, I'm like the barefoot one <laughs> yes. in the forest. So when they see me wear this technology now, they're like, who are you? What are, <laughs> what, what, what is happening here? Especially at the beginning. Now they're used to it. Because, like a little frequency, witch, earth, witch these days. <laughs> um, so yeah, it came into my world end of last May actually. And my dear sister, that I did my shamanic tantric training with in Bali. We were just like Amazon warrior sisters okay, we're going to be our friends for life. Didn't know how that was going to come back around. And we happened to be in Austin the same day. It was during another eclipse season, full moon, this whole thing. And it was at the time I was working for this other job. Uh, I had gone back to the workforce and uh, my boss left me with the question like, okay, Tosh, how do you create your dream job here? You're my executive director. How do you create your dream job here? And I was like, oh, I thought I was quitting today, but now I'm creating my dream job. And then I ran into her and like, again, being around people that like, oh, they live in that energy. That's like, that's more me. Like I could feel my, like my, my body just being like, wait, I've been not okay. I've been not well trying to force myself into this traditional role. And so being around their energy and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you sisters for waking me up. Like, thank you for igniting that. And they, through this device showed me not only from a healing perspective, but also from a financial perspective, how to create this freedom. Right. And so it's been the most amazing exploration. I never thought I'd love tech so much. I freaking love it. <laughs> I never thought I'd be in a leveraged income world system. I love it. I love the community. I love um, what the healing has done, you know, for myself. There's even Ayurvedic programs, I think I told you before. And so it just has been merging into my world. And like last night at the event I mentioned, it was such a joy to just like geek out with like all these people like, wait, what is this? Oh, we can do an aura scan. Oh, we can like, uh, it reads the body. How does that work? And so just being able to play and share from that perspective gives me a lot of joy because it's, it's literally changing people's lives. And I just love anything that's helping us. Yeah. And it's even tied to like, how do we well resource our change makers, you know, it's, it's another avenue for that. So I love anything that's supporting that mission and vision and doing more good for our world and creating more consciousness. That's where we're at. No big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I feel like once I, once I've like tried it and get gotten into it a bit more too, maybe we'll have like, you like back on the podcast and we can oh chat God, more about it and that. everything, but we are, that. we're coming to a close here. I did want to ask you a couple of questions. These are going to be questions yeah. that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. So thank you so much for being my guinea pig and being the first person. So three more questions for you. One, when are you the happiest? What is bringing you joy right now? So I've been living in Austin lately and I just love 
you know, doing all the things during the day, but like making it a priority to usually go to Barton Springs, go jump in the water, go barefoot on the lawn and just like having this moment of grounding, but you're like in the middle of a city. And there's something about that, like, oh, I'm like in the middle of the city, but this feels like the most beautiful, natural place. And um, that water is magic. And that's been giving me a lot of joy lately. And like bringing my friends like, hey, you want to meet? Okay, yeah, let's meet at the spring. Like it's just become an understood thing that that's what we do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been there before with my best friend. And I remember like, like you can see the city, like I can see the city, but I was also yeah. like, it's so different than like, for example, like Central Park, when I used to live in New yeah. York, like you're very much still in the city. Yes, it's a green yeah. space, but this Barton Springs was totally different. It was, yeah, it's like this little magical oasis in the city. <laughs> it's super special. So yeah, then my little joy spot. <laughs> nice, cool. And next question, do you remember a time when you laughed really hard? So this could be recently or when you were a kid doesn't have to be a great story just a time when you laugh like super hard like lost your sound or crying or anything like that <laughs> this I feel like might only sound funny to me but I was dating this guy like last year or something and I saw this meme that was like the awakened bro meme and usually I don't like things like that I was like oh y'all are being mean but like my heart was just like <laughs> feeling sassy and I laughed so hard with this meme because it was describing this guy I was seeing to the T like nice. it's like oh a guy that like lives in Austin but then he has like another home in Tulum and he wears like the meditation things and he's like spiritual but not really and like pretending to be and I was like oh my gosh this is like the last thing it's I was just dying I was like I was like this is so mean but so funny <laughs> so close to home I was like oh my heart yeah this is great thank you medicine for this laugh right now nice. yeah yeah I, I was like never really into memes like I just didn't get it let's be honest until like my husband now he loves memes and he actually was creating <laughs> memes for like a environmentalist account for a while and so now I love them and he shows them to me all the time and it's yeah oh, I love yeah it. so great. It's, it's great to be able to like sometimes people are like criticized for like making jokes or like laughing at these like important yeah. things or like because these are important issues but I'm like yeah. no 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 guys we need humor like yeah absolutely yeah. you know even in women who runs with the wolves there's some stories that are just about that like those big belly laughs especially the like women to women only we get and like yes. I remember reading some of the stories in there and literally like falling over laughing and be like oh my gosh this is so classic like it's so good and so there are those belly laughs it's like oh my gosh like thank you sister for getting me right now and I can <laughs> share this with you <laughs> yes absolutely laughter is so important I remember when I was living in in Portland in Oregon I was in this apartment building and in the lobby, sometimes there was this woman that lived here and she would host laughter yoga sessions. Have you ever heard of this? I've um, heard of it. I've never done it because it terrifies me, but I never I did it. it. <laughs> I, I never did it. It looked very odd to me and I was not open to it at the time. But, but now like I'm now looking back, I'm like, I bet you that was actually a pretty great, pretty great exercise, like healing through laughing, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Last question, and then I'll let you go. Yes. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I've got a website, natasharoya.com. Um, and on Instagram, natasha underscore roya. 
from there, there's a lot of like links to like how to sign up for my newsletter and to learn more about the Healy if that's interesting to you or yeah, anything in there. Yeah. yeah, so we'll put links to all of that in the show notes so y'all can um, follow everything that Natasha does and, and become part of her very beautiful world. Oh, thank you thanks, so much, Debbie. Natasha. I really, thank really you. appreciate you being the first guest on the podcast. And I just love chatting with you. I could chat with you forever. I'm sure we'll be back chatting more soon. So yeah, sending <laughs> you a lot of love. Treat. Thank you, love. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, then I want to invite you to check out my free course, Identify Your North Star. In this free three-day course, I guide you step-by-step through the process of creating your personal mission statement. Because if we want to create positive change in the world, then we must first identify what that change is. Getting clear on your North Star will bring a whole new level of focus, clarity, and purpose to your life and your work. You can find a link to the North Star course in the show notes and on my website at happymehappyearth.com. It's an honor to be in your ears. Thank you so much for listening.